We don't want or shouldn't help those people. Those people feel there is no hope, no future. Time to change the story. This is Reentry. Howdy, listeners. Welcome back to Reentry. I am again here with Dr. Rick Davis, who is the executive director at Chains of Grace Ministries. I am Grant Boatwright. And we will be talking today um, a little bit about why provision and supervision is so necessary for the people coming into this program and for those at the Chains of Grace ministry. Uh, It's something that I feel is not really widely known as far as the depth that it goes into. So Rick, could you tell us why this is so necessary, especially the supervision part and the provision for some of these guys who a majority of them come out and they've known very little else. Well, Grant, at Chains of Grace, we've discovered that once a person has been in prison for any time, they've developed certain prison habits that uh, enable them to move successfully through the prison culture, but make it virtually impossible for them to move forward in the free culture. For instance, once a man has been in prison for any length of time, uh, he learns that no just means no, and he need not ask again. Uh, If he's told no when he goes down in uh, free culture to get his driver's license, uh, he might never go back. So we get people who have a great understanding of the prison culture and a poor understanding of the free culture. I'd illustrate it this way. Imagine you uh, went to bed one night in 1950 and woke up and it was 2018. Uh, What differences would you notice? Uh, The Berlin Wall would be gone. Uh, The Cold War would be over. Uh, An entirely different generation would have come and gone in that time. We have men in our program who have pretty much literally had that experience of just losing uh, their entire life because of mistakes made early in life. We're going to hear today from a young man who spent 22 and a half years of his first 39 years in prison. And uh, he has known three things, uh, gangs and prison, and now us. And imagine that all you'd ever known was uh, a group of people who were committed to doing crimes Uh, And then you were placed in a general prison population of people who had committed crimes. And suddenly you get out. And the one thing you know is you don't want to go back. And I find this is so huge, even the fact that you said that this guy is a young man. Um, And then you talked about him being in the prison for 22 years. I'm just now 35. So that would be well over two thirds of my life uh, being in prison. And yet he is a young man. Because he has not been out in the free world hardly at all. And if he has been out in the free world, it's still been in a system that has told him exactly what to do, what to be, and there was no way out. So we're going to go grab one, and you're going to get to hear 
quite a compelling story uh, from him about why supervision and why this provision of coming out of this impossible situation is so necessary. This is going to be one of, to me, the most compelling, um, kind of harrowing tales that you're going to hear. And just know that even the most impossible parts of this story are true. Um, this comes straight from Jay in his life, what he has experienced, what he has known, and how God has moved throughout all of it and using Chains of Grace and Haven of Rest to alter a man's life in a way that he didn't think possible. But to give you the firsthand story, I have Jay here. So Jay, thank you for being with us. Good to be here. And uh, could you kind of walk us through the three areas of life that got you to be um, incarcerated and then what happened while you're there and, and, and how God moved through all that to get you to Chains of Grace? Well, at a young age, I started experimenting with guns, drugs, alcohol, and that right. at a young age, 12, 13 years old, I mean, that's... Mm -hmm. And it, it evolved, armed robberies and stuff like that, and got out of control. And what, where was it that it finally went out of control that got you into being incarcerated? My first incarceration, probably, it was, I was 17 years old. I did two years in prison the first time, right? Got out, I thought I, thought I had my head right, but I didn't. Started hanging around with the same guys, which I thought were my friends. And then it turned out they weren't. And I went back to the same routine, the same routine. Drugs, alcohol, robbing. So at this point in your life, you had nobody helping you out after you got out. You just went straight back home. Straight back home and back to the same living. But God was there. But I just didn't know it. I, I didn't. I didn't know God, and He kept me safe from all the bad things that I've been through, right? In prison and out of prison. And, and you said you went in at seventeen. At seventeen. And to give it a little perspective, how old are you now? I'm gonna be forty-nine in March. I've been out three years. I've been out three years. So you do the math and it tells you how long I've been out. But. From the, the drugs and alcohol and the robberies, it, went, it turned into pornography. And the pornography turned into, you know, lust and just more of a crazier life after that, which led me to my other sentence, a 35-year sentence, which I did 17 and a half years on that one. Wow. Wow. So yeah. you were in for two years, got out, and then back in for 17? Yes, so you, you were in, in prison for a total of 19 years? Yes. That's amazing. So what, there is a story. So what got you to alter your life when you were in prison? This old man that was sitting at a, at a gate. They call it a doghouse, right? The man controls the gates. Nobody goes through these gates unless he lets you through, right? So he's sitting there. I'm walking by, and I said, hi. All right. Man, this man had been at least 80, 80 years old. He has no business there. So I stop, and I talk to him. Hey, how you doing? He just smiles, right? He, he smiles, and he looks at me, and, and he says, I'm here to talk to you about God. 
And I'm like, what? Is that normal for a prison guard to just stop no, and say, hey, I'm no. here for you and I'm here to no, talk to you about no. God? No, no. I had already been there maybe 11 years at the most. And this is the first time, man. It's just. So after he said, I'm here for you, what happened? You know, hey, what, you know, what do you mean? And he said, God sent me here for you. And he just caught me by surprise. I'm like, what? I don't remember the whole conversation. But as we talked, we cried a little bit. And we said our goodbyes. I walk away, and he's still crying a little bit, right? And I'm walking, and I'm saying, like, God, if, if you're for real, a little raindrop hits me right in the eye right here. And I look up. Ain't, there ain't a cloud in the sky. It's blue. So I keep walking. As I get closer to the dorms, we, another one hits me. Another raindrop hits me in the eye. So I look around. I say, what in the world is this? So I just keep walking. I just throw it aside. So I go inside, and I go to my cubicle. And, I, and I'm saying to myself, man, what just happened? I sit there for a minute, and I keep a Bible up on top of my, my table. I never open it. I never read it. I just start reading it a little bit, you know, just little words here and there. I don't really understand the Bible a lot, but I slide it over, and I open it, and it's God right there, just God talking to me, God telling me I'm here, I'm here for you, and just like a peace just came over me right there, just... <laughs> What is this? Did you ever see that prison guard again? Check this out, man. The next day he was gone. Never again? Never again. He was gone. That was it. But he, he was there for me. That's, that's what he said. He was like, I'm here for you. It's almost like he accomplished his mission. And that was then, it. And then he was gone. That was it. Wow. I mean, it was one day he's, he's there. And the next day, that was it. Man, that had to had been God, man. It had, it had to have been Jesus, you know, doing, working through him to get to me. Absolutely. Hey, Juan, I'm, I'm here, man. I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. And boom, I snapped right there, man. It's, it's time to change. It's so that was year 11. You got out at year 17. Mm -hmm. And once you got out, what, Just, what happened? What, what brought you to a different place? How did you get to... Haven Arrest, Haven and, arrest. Chain, and Chains of Grace. Oh, wow. Man, when I come up for parole, right, in my mind I was saying, man, I'm not getting out of here, man. I'm not going to make parole. That's, that's what I was putting in my head. Mm -hmm. I'm a believer in God, but I still didn't have all that faith in him, what I got now. Mm. It was there, but it wasn't 100%, mm. right? I get a lay-in to go see parole. I said, man, I got to go see these people, man. I already know what's going to happen because everybody's getting, lay, you know, set-offs. Or you're going to get a set-off. And a set-off is basically you don't, you get rejected from you parole. You get rejected, and, yeah. and you go back in. Yeah. Okay. So the next morning, right, I, I tear a little piece of paper. I write down my, my mom's uh, phone number. I go to parole officer. I know her. Right. I know her because I work for the warden. Right, right. And she, she's smiling, right? She goes, you're up for parole? I said, I know. I said, look, I don't have nothing. I said, I just got this little piece of paper that I tore right there. Mm -hmm. Guys would show up with folders and of uh, support letters and, and stuff, you know. 
and I got this little piece of paper that I tore. And she goes, come on, sit down. Let's see what we can do. She goes, it, it's going to work out. I said, all right, whatever. You know, a couple of weeks went by, and, and I would see this parole officer. Where I work at, I got to pass her office. Mm-hmm. And she would turn around, hey, Juan. And she goes, come here. I said, what? She goes, you got to vote. I said, what? She goes, yeah, they voted for you once. I said, no, I don't mean nothing. She goes, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. I said, no. How many votes do you have to have to get out? Three. I had to have three. So it's not a one-step process. Oh, no, 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 no. So I walk by, and she tells me, Juan, come here. She goes, you got another vote. I said, no way. She goes, yeah. She goes, you got another vote, one more. She goes, you make it. She goes, you better be getting a place ready. Because you have to have a place. Yeah, you got to have a place. I mean, you can make parole and you're stuck in there. You have nowhere to go. You're stuck in there. So unless you have a bed to go to, Mm -hmm. you have to stay in prison. Yes. Okay. All right. So I said, man, that's just, you know, my, my hopes are up a little bit. Not much. I go to the law library and I pull out this this uh, folder that they got for uh, halfway houses. So I see Haven arrest, and I write down the information, put the folder back, and I head back. And uh, weeks go by, and I'm sitting in the hallway, and here comes the parole officer. She's running, and she's smiling, and she says, "You made parole." I said, what? No way. She goes, yes, you did. That's amazing. She goes, you need to give me an address. And I said, man, I don't have one yet. So I rushed to my cell, right? And I get on the phone. I contact my brother and my mom. And I give them this phone number. It's for another halfway house, right? I hung up. I go back to the law library. And I notice that I give them Haven's Arrest Ministries phone number, which was the wrong one. I said, I tell my brother, I call him, I say, hey, I gave you the wrong number. I said, these people are not going to take me. He goes, what are you talking about? She said she already would. I said, oh, wow. I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. I said, it's wrong. I said, I gave you the wrong phone number. He goes, I meant to give you this one. She goes, no. He goes, we're fixing to go give the down payment. He said, look, man. The lady says she's going to take you. She even showed me the room you're going to be staying in. I said, oh, there's wow. no way. right? And all that from a wrong number. For the wrong number. Had he, you ever had anybody say words like that to you in the past 19 years? No. <laughs> no. And I said, man, I still can't believe it. I said, man, she's going to shoot me down. So how many weeks had gone by, do you think, from when you first got told you were even possibly getting parole to when you heard the words, you've made parole? It had been at least at least six, seven weeks, man. Wow. It had been. Six or seven weeks from when there was a, even a possibility to just have to sit and wait and get little tidbits of information of, oh, you got one vote. Oh, you got two votes. And then weeks upon weeks after that, you heard the final words, you got parole. And then you give a wrong number out, and some lady you've never met, you don't know, says, I'm going to take you in. Exactly, man. So what have you been able to do because of Haven Arrest and Chains of Grace? 
first of all, never had a driver's license, never had a checking account, a savings, a, a real job, never had any of that. And now I got everything. So now you feel like you have a completely different life. Oh, wow. From that? It's peaceful. This is the happiest I've been. I ain't never been like this. And it's because of the job and the people around you and how God has brought all this together for you that has caused that joy? What caused my joy is, is God, man. God gave me peace, man. So if you could say one thing, what would you tell them about people like you and about ministries like this? It's probably to say that, to me, if it took 17 years of prison, man, to finally snap out of it, man, and to see that God is there, man. If you let him in, he won't let go, man. He's not going to let go, man. God is there 100%. I let him in, and he has blessed me, man. I mean, I've got money. I've got a house. i got friends, and I've, I've got chains of grace now. And I mean, wow. Well, Jay, I just thank you so much for being here uh, today and telling us an incredibly humbling, compelling, amazing story about how God cares about you individually and sets things up for you to come out and be a part of an organization that doesn't let you go, that is there to do these things that weren't there for you when you first came out. And now, by God's grace and His direction, You've got a job, you've got a community, and you're giving back. So I really appreciate you being here telling us this story. Thank you so much. Thank you.